Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. All right, so Cheddar's here as usual. Um, our special guest for today is Dermot O'Keefe. Dermot, welcome to the GAR. Thanks very much, Colin. Ha- we have to start with you and talk a little about a bit about the Tipperary game. Is it out of the system? You know, how long does it take you to get over a game like that, I suppose? Yeah, I I don't think it's out of the system yet. Um, very disappointing day, considering we didn't get through to an all in the final. Um, look, uh, we we've probably had a very good first half. Uh, struggled a little bit in the in the last couple of minutes, last ten or fifteen minutes, and uh, but uh, I suppose overall, over the immediately after after the game, you're kind of thinking, right, it's it's very disappointing. But overall, you're kind of trying to reflect on all the good things that we did during the year and all the all the positives from the year. Like, you know, it was the first time we won a Leinster title in 15 years. You have to take that away. Um, so while it was immediately disappointing afterwards, you have to try and focus on the pos- positives. I suppose. Yeah, and it was lo- There's no doubt there was loads of positive. I, we were talking about it in the show here, Cheddar, and we were wondering, did you run out of legs? Was it experience of tiptoe through in the end when you're kind of thinking about it after the game or you know mm-hmm. talking on the bus on the way back what were you kind of agreeing on or was it hard to pinpoint it it was hard to pinpoint it if I were being honest it's probably a combination of a couple of things like you know Tipperary brought on four subs in the last 10 or 15 minutes and I remember um, I was just saying to one of the lads outside Jar Brown was on me and he like he was just taking off running all over the place like their subs had a massive impact on the game um, we were like you know it's, it's only natural that after 50, 55, 60 minutes your your legs are going to get tired and you know you're going to you know make mistakes that you probably wouldn't normally make at the start of the game and uh, it's a combination of a different thing, different couple of things that just didn't go right for us yeah. at the end yeah especially with your game plan I suppose like there's so much hard running involved you know yeah Absolutely, yeah. Um, large part of the game plan is is running it. It's giving ball, moving again, um, shooting from distance, um, and it's only natural that you, I suppose, you tire after doing that for for a long period of time. That's thing. I was tired looking at them, Cheddar. Never mind actually playing. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations to Dermot. Um, fantastic year, I suppose, for yourself personally, and obviously for Wexford. And I'd like to give a call out as well to Lee Moog. I think he's come back from two ACLs, and um, you know, for both of you in the middle of the field to get the performance that you gave. Um, um, it's obviously very pleasing to hurling people. Um, I, I just maybe add to that, Dermot, a little bit. Um, you know, did you know? Does this happen, um, particularly with a team? I know Wexford are a successful team, um, but you know, you're trying to, I suppose, turn over. You know, one of the legends of the game as such. Does it happen that you go into survival mode maybe in the last five minutes and you're five up and uh, you're a man up and um, you know maybe move a little bit away? 
and the balls that you previously would have carried out of the defence and, you know, used them well, you sort of knock them up the field, get them out of the danger area. So, so, so rather than being creative, which I thought Wexford were brilliant at, you go into a little bit of survival mode in the last maybe five, ten minutes and look, you try not to, but it just happens. Possibly so, yeah. I think that... Um like it's unfamiliar territory to us. The All Ireland semi final was, yeah. was the first one. I think it was 08, was that, is that correct? So it's unfamiliar territory. Um, you, you try and do the right thing as best as you can, as often as possible. Um, it doesn't really always work out that way. But um, yeah, yeah, possibly so. You know, with tired legs, it, things to go mm. wrong that you wouldn't naturally think it would do so at the start of the game and 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 then when a team you're five points up you're you're the opposition are down to 14 men you think all you have to do is nearly just see it out see, see it, it out yeah. but yeah. for whatever circumstance you know it doesn't always work that way that it galvanizes the opposition and um, the team that are down to 14 men and and it seemed to work in Tipperary's favor instead of ours yeah i'm sure with the long you went to long with the ball a lot in that last 20 minutes like i mean and it wasn't really your game plan in the first half and whatever you went to that maybe it was the man sent off and it was a little bit let's get it down there we have an extra man I'm sure you were coming short for ball it's going over your head then you're going down there and then you're, you're like running up and down but not actually getting on the ball if the ball's going long in midfield I presume Yeah like when we look back on the game like obviously we didn't look back on it as a collective we were kind of doing it individually but like in the heat of the battle you know the right idea now would have been possibly to go short with the ball and and that's great but when everything is coming at you and you think you're doing the right thing and you're trying to manage the game as best you can um, you know balls were just hit down the field and it, when you look back on it I mean we were swarming the kind of that D area when the ball was landing we were all running into a bundle um, it was possibly the strongest line on the field that you're hitting the ball straight the down. The loving that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. do you know, so... Um, I think, the dear, you know, look, it raises a wider issue there, really. Um, and it's the issue, really, of the top, maybe two or three teams and the sort of the con- confidence and the sort of cast-iron self-belief that they have built up from winning uh, towards the... And I'm not saying Wexford, but if we just put Wexford and Dublin and we'll say the mid-tier teams that you want to knock them off their perch. It's difficult to do that. Um, and I think that's what's really happening here. You don't have that cast um, iron belief of how to just finish out the game here and go for it. And look, it, it's in every walk of life. I mean, look at other sports, look at Manchester United. They had a team, uh, you know, for a long number of years that couldn't be beaten. They probably have a better team now, but just don't have the knowledge of winning and the way of winning and the confidence of winning at that. And there's a whole pile of little small things, I suppose, that impact on that. Um, but I'd probably do a final comment on it, dear Major, definitely at camp four in terms of using symbolism of, of uh, conquering Everest here you're, you're very very close and it's just that last piece of getting over the line here yeah you must have a feeling that, what did Davy say in the dressing room afterwards do you have the feeling that he'll hang around or will you need to get on the bus again and head down to his house and <laughs> use- <laughs> um, no in fairness there wasn't much said I think everyone was devastated in the dressing room uh, no more so than myself Um I don't think it was the right time to, you know, I've been spending 15 or 20 minutes talking things through. Uh, it was a very brief chat. Um, it was like, look, things went well for us. Um, things didn't go well. He he was he was honest in saying that he was extremely, extremely pr- proud of everything that we did on the day um, and everything that thing that we did during the year as well. So, look, that's, that's left for another day. Um, as regards what he'll do, it's probably the most common question that I've been asked over the last two weeks now being honest I've I've genuinely no idea everyone uh, in Wexford wants him to stay obvious that goes without saying 
Uh, well, there's a couple of things I know and a couple of things I don't know. Things I, I don't know. Except for Jim Bulger. Ninety-nine <laughs> <99%. laughs> um, percent. The things things I, I I know is that look, he's not one to make rash decisions. He'll he'll think things through. He'll do what's right for him and the family. Um, and then as well as that, like hands down. All the players, all the supporters, the county board absolutely love him. We've so much time for him, and regardless of what he does, we'll support him one hundred percent. And you know, we've made lifelong friends with that man, and you know, he'd go to the end of the end of the earth for us, and so would we for him. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear, like, because he does get a, a hard knock, you know, in some quarters. But like, I mean, players seem to love him. He made a, a comment about. Um, players arrive into the dressing room before an hour before training listening to some music and like I mean you know I just thought what a nice kind of atmosphere that's created down there this just if I wouldn't say he came in on his first day and said lads turn on music I want you all to enjoy each other's company this kind of happened yeah to be honest with you the, the whole music thing was probably there during Liam Dunn's time right uh, it didn't just come when, when Davey arrived uh, Mark Fanning is is a is kind of was the go-to guy for the music but uh, during the year a few um how do we put it? Uh, questionable tunes come on, come on the 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 speaker. So uh, Shane Rick is now now the new DJ. And literally, when you walk into Ferns, you think there's a there's a disco happening in the in the change room. It's no harm. It's good crack. We get there early. We bounce ideas off each other, and you know, get in chatting to the lads. You know, lots of lads have long days and work, and it's nice. You know, for a half an hour before training to just chill out and relax. And yeah, talk to lads. sounds like a great place to be, Heather. Now it's a good idea. Actually, look, there's a lot of science about this, uh, dear man, about music and you know how it. Um, relaxes the mind and gets prepared for that and even music at, at half time of that um, and particularly music I mean there's a lot of a wellness um, work now that's done with music um, unfortunately we left a little bit of this to Carl we had some Sinead O'Connor and I don't know what else to be honest with you um, and like like the Wexford dressing room there's a few people disagreed with the choice of music and that and it had to change and that um, I have a bit of a difficulty with all this hip hop stuff and all of that type of stuff at present um, uh, some, of, some of the older brigades struggle a little bit with the music but and, you know just from um, a science uh, point of view, it is really, really important in terms of the right mood in the dressing room and that, and it can really, really work for you. And even when you look, at, when you think of some motivational videos, videos, I don't know whether you use that, uh, dear me, but the actual music to the motivational video is really, really important here. Um, so look, it might be a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh some of the time, but actually there's really, really good um, reasoning behind it as well. Right. Okay. Come here. Another one before we move on to your famous sweeper system, which we'll get into. Davy said after Leinster final, you wouldn't be- you would not believe the stuff we did back in November and December. What were you doing in November and December? I'm um, thinking I'm thinking huge hills like Gerlach Nan back in the '95 and all these kind of things. Or what was he doing? He, this was in the context of I think he'd been flying it, you know. So I think I'm presuming he was talking about training. Yeah. Uh Look, pre-season training is pre-season training. There's nothing nice about it. Yeah, those are particularly hard this year in his third year than it was in other years. I, I genuinely, I'm being honest, I don't think so. Right. No, like, um, like Davy's big into the kind of the mental aspect of it and and trying to develop your mind and make you mentally tough. Um, he'll challenge you in different ways during pre-season training, and you know you'll have to try and come out the other side. And you know if you don't, it's not the end of the world it's not treated as a negative it's like right let's bring that forward to the next night and let's move on and let's build on it again um, I can't say there was anything majorly different in, in the in the three years it was just you know right. hard slogging and, and working hard being honest yeah. okay well that's it I think well, yeah, all of that uh, dear it, look it's all managed really really well even to the sense of systems managing uh, training programs and all of that and the chances of overloading and all of that 
um, it's very unlikely, I think, that that happens anymore. Mm. Um, you know, it was a number of years ago that that might have happened, all right. But look, it's even indiv- individually managed now for each player and that. I know you have somebody on working on the buildings during the day. You certainly need to know that. You can't overload them that evening with training and that. So I think the level of management at that, um, even to the systems that's used to manage that programme, it's very unlikely now. And look, the science here tells you that. Um, it would be very uneven for the AV, I would think, to talk down a strength and conditioning person who knows his job here in terms of, you know, what's the right load for each player and that. So it's very unlikely that, you know, some of the horror stories we would have heard years ago, we probably would have done ourselves, I suppose, it's very unlikely that that happens anymore. Yeah. You will hear the hard sessions, all right, but sometimes you need a hard session to just, you know, blow off some steam and that as well. I think I think that's it, but when you look at it, like, I mean, Jim McGuinness ran the shite out of Donegal and Mick O'Dwyer did it to us. I think when you meet a team first, you need to root out the lads that are not willing to go through you know what I mean I do think there's maybe a value in going a little bit overboard to say who's with me or who's not and the fellows who are able to do those are with you and the fellows who want to say that's a bit too much for me they can go well just one other point to add on that is when you speak of training loads like Davey was very good with the guys that were playing Fitzgibbon as well do you know if mm. if there was games today especially before the ones that were playing for Mary I right <laughs> right like no in fairness to him like I've seen plenty of nights you know there was Seamus Casey Cahill Dunbar Shane Rick them, them guys were playing with Carlo IT and it doesn't make sense that they're being flogged the night before training they might they'll be down at training they might do the warm up and then they might do more I suppose technique driven stuff around speed work or something like that and then they'll be in and showered early and, and back up to Carlo again like so yeah. he was very good that way yeah. no he's a pro- he's a real modern he's definitely a real modern manager I, I, I think even Willie all our professionalism around all of that now is really really at a very very high level to the extent that you know even recovery from injury returning to train protocols and all of those agreements between physios and and um S&C people and managers and all of that is very, very tightly managed now. So the chances of somebody slipping through the floorboards here and, you know, getting injuries from overload and that, I think are very slim anymore. Yeah, they definitely are. So <coughs> I want to talk about this sweeper system because this really kind of hit the headlines again with Don Logan Derek on the Sunday game. And it was Davy that kicked all this off because Davy after the game said, people talk to me about the sweeper system being negative. It's time to get down off their high horses and just look at hurling and stop being so negative. It drives me nuts. People are talking about stuff they haven't a clue about. If you call Wexford negative, then I don't know because um, we're getting attackers, we're getting players all over the place. And that's true. And there's a few different points on this is the Wexford sweeper this year, especially against Tipperary, was a lot different than the Wexford sweeper potentially in his first year. So that's evolved. And, you know, defenders are just taking off a little bit, maybe more. Um, then obviously Don Logan Derek took it up and they got a pretty negative response for, you know, people saying that they had an agenda and it wasn't the right tone after such great semi-finals. But I suppose your reaction to the sweeper system I suppose how it's evolved on your team and maybe the perception outside it yeah I suppose with us Sean Murphy was sweeper for yeah. the, the first Davies first two years and, and Kevin kind of fell into that role uh, this year I was actually I actually threw my CV in to play that role as well but Davey was having none of it at the time so uh, <laughs> everyone wants that role really don't yeah, they yeah yeah everyone absolutely so um, no but like when you look at it I suppose like uh, the, the other option is right. you play a sweeper the objective of that is that you don't concede goals right and we this year I think we, we conceded three goals in six championship games and out of those three you know one was from a free against Dublin and the second was from a massive mistake from ourselves against Kilkenny and Wexford Park um, and 
like while the other option for, for forwards is to kind of drift back down the pitch I think maybe what Davey's trying to get at is forwards or wing forwards and centre forward and moving back down the pitch the natural progression of our backs then is to follow them and stick tight to them and if the likes of Damien Reck or Simon Donoghue end up with picking up a ball in a bit of space it, it's it's a natural progression that they've only followed their man and, and they're picking up ball and getting shots off albeit that you know, we don't want Simon or, or Damien shooting we, you know, we want to get our shooters on yeah. the ball or whatever so. It was incredible how, how, how much they got forward in that tip game I hadn't seen that before because we know that the Wexford half back line has license to go and you were wing back for a while and that was a big threat but I hadn't seen the full back line like Liam Ryan coming up scoring was this new was this like a new tactic for that game or was it or how did that work well Liam as full back his job is to whoever he's marking make sure he doesn't score and whatever happens that you play the game in front of you Um I don't think Liam could actually believe the space that was in front of him when he got yeah. there. Um, it's some score, wasn't it? It's unreal. Serious score, yeah. Phenomenal runner. Um, and uh, just, I suppose, when he sees space, he just keeps going. And it's only kind of, you play what's in front of you. That's what he did on the day. And and uh, he just it worked out for him on that, on that particular occasion. Yeah. Yeah. But the two cornerbacks, were they given specific licence as opposed to other games? Or was that, again, how it worked out? There was loads of space. and the I genuinely think it's just the way it worked out. Um like Crow Park's a bigger pitch there's more space um, when you get moving up the pitch you'll, you'll get to the 65 before you know it when you're when you're cornerback if you give a pass and move again you're at the 65 so it's not that like like I said their primary role is to make sure that their men don't, don't get any scores and whatever happens after that happens just play the game that's in front of you really Right okay so, that, so suppose that's it with the Wexford half back line we've talked about this on the show Cheddar in that they're, none of them have to hold back and play zonal because they have a yeah. sweeper they can actually yeah. mark their men and to be honest we were saying that every team plays with a sweeper just Wexford bring back one extra forward where everyone else uses a centre back lets the centre forward drift and uses a forward to mark him so for the nearly, it's a similar it's a similar setup. just use a bit yeah. of a jung- juggling around to, to achieve it yeah no look I just think there's a lot of lazy talk around um, you know just once you mention the sweeper at all people get up in arms about things see that's hurling people chatter and a lot of the time to be honest with you when they discuss it I'm wondering is it the same game I'm looking at because look it's as if the sweeper is the the only innovation that came into hurling in the last 30 or 40 years Tommy Marr started all of this off back in the 60s and 70s with Kilkenny um, and certainly in the 70s or the 80s uh, Cyril Farrell uh, brought the number 15 out to the middle of the field against Kilkenny Blow and Turles on Monday and left Paddy Prendergast as a sweeper for Kilkenny and uh, you know that that change um, you know won the match for Galway that day and certainly did up, upset uh, Kilkenny um, and Dermot has explained it well here it, it, it it's not and you cannot leave you cannot pull your, your backs out the field and expect two full backs inside to go one and one marking two forwards and we saw what happened against Kilkenny in 2016 All-Ireland and we saw what happened actually against Kilkenny this year with Alan Canigan and Parik Welsh who was a very quick sticky defender um, so when you leave that amount of space inside you know you cannot go there and I, I think it has evolved and I think in fairness to Dave and in fairness to Wexford have evolved and I've said this a number of times in the show Willie that Hurt is going to end up being a very dynamic game where corner pass could end up anywhere we were talking the other day about the Dutch system of total football where you could end up anywhere in the field and be able to play that and the man beside me here has all the competence to be able to do that and you're probably 
are looking at that type of player now, you know, with a with a really good skill set of being able to play. Of course, you need to defend. That's your primary function as a defender. But when you move up the field, are you able to shoot from long, from long range? Because, you know, Dermot has explained that well. In Croke Park, the ability of players now to shoot from long range is really, really important to number one. But it's actually very successful as well. And if you see what Noel McGrath does and some of these players do and the amount of points they can score, then, you know, you, you were wondering then, can I leave my half-back line, you know, close to my full back line? It's going to be a serious, serious on this in this All Ireland for both teams, can I leave my half back line tight to my full back line? Because you'll, you'll want to do that. But actually, when you do that, you're going to leave the opposition half hour line out in the middle of the field that can shoot from distance. So what do you do then? Um, so I think you know, coaching and managing um, in the All Ireland is going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see you know how both teams handle that. Yeah, no, definitely. So like, I mean, the way I see Wexford having improved is my, one of my criticisms of maybe Waterford and Wexford, uh, maybe three years ago, in that you're playing the sweep but for a team that plays a sweeper you hit an awful lot of ball to the other sweeper do you know what mm. I mean it's like Wexford didn't hit an awful lot of ball to the other sweeper this year I think that was a big change in your game I'm going to be honest Paul Morrison the Wexford restaurant room has a broken record about just harping on about using the ball and if we have possession, why are we giving it away? Yeah. Um, you try and, and, and that's probably maybe something that we've worked on over the last couple of years is trying to, you know, work the ball to a scoring position and not just kind of like turn around and hitting it and, yeah. and let's see, hit and hope kind of job. Um, traditionally, we probably maybe might have, you know, hit ball in to try and get Conor McDonald on the end of it and, and get scores that way. Yeah. Now, you know, we're trying to use the ball as best we can, get our head up um give the ball, move again and create a scoring opportunity that way. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's the important yeah. thing. And like I, I mean, think, Willie, there's one other aspect to that though and, and um, that's why it's so crucial that, you know, Davey is held on and I'm expert. Um, that if you want to change away, let's say just say Wexford GA decided that we want to move away from that style, um, then there's real, real difficulties because dif- you know Dermot has explained that well. Whole hand possession of the ball is either ping the ball to hand or ping the ball to space for fast forwards to move into the space, pick the ball, and then work the combination play around that. But actually, if you want to change that, you're changing a huge amount of behaviours uh, within your team, and that's very, very difficult to do. As Parg has found out in Watford this year, um, and you know that's I think it's crucial um, because. Because Wexford are so near the summit here, it's crucial that they stay doing uh, what they're doing, but actually, you know, maybe improve on little bits and pieces as they go along to get over the line here. But if you wanted to change that for whatever reason, that is a very, very difficult job for management to do. Yeah. Cyril Farrell was writing in The Independent uh, this week, and like, I love Cyril Farrell. So you have to be a little bit, you always have to be respectful when you're criticising some of the, you know, legendary pundits and legendary players. But he was saying, people talk about shapes and patterns, plays, plies and matchups. And while it sounds good much of it is pure spoof now there is a bit of a hurling is <coughs> reaching a kind of a point where supporters want a little bit more in-depth analysis than maybe a few clips of intensity or you know you know this got stuck in or whatever and then you have some of the older pundits who wouldn't have never who never have played in a, a systematic team and think there's no such thing as systems that once you get in and get stuck in that's the basics of it and I'm not sure where you are on it Dermot I know Davey's been very critical of pundits not understanding year game plan do you watch it and think they're not getting it or this isn't they're not you know painting us in the light that we deserve well, the thing I'd say on that is, I mean, when you look at a game on television, you're see, you're you're seeing a very kind of narrow snapshot of what's actually happening on the field. If you really want to look at shapes and systems and all that, you got you have to go to the match and get a kind of a broad overview. Of oh, what's that's a fact. That's football and hurling. You have football, to be at it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And like, I, I'm not entirely sure what kind of Cyril is is getting at here. Like, but. Um, 
Davey kind of look he, he gets a lot of stick sometimes as regards you know the way that we're playing or whatever and he's only probably right to back himself um, cause when he has a kind of public forum to, to kind of do so when he's been mm. interviewed so um, yeah look he's not happy with the stick or whatever but I, w- I wouldn't be too much worried about it I certainly know Davey's not too much worried about it anyhow so. yeah. What do you think Cheddar? Do you I, think know, I, I said this last week look if I was Davey I'd say nothing he believes in what he's doing and more importantly Dermot you believe in it that's all that matters you know most of the other people um, that are coming on, commenting on this maybe don't understand what's going on here You um, still you still probably like if you're on a team to be like nationwide rather well, than a, a bad perception of you I, nationwide I know, you, you know? You, you, unless you, you want to use you, it as a siege you mentality certainly, You certainly can manage that uh, Oli you don't need to respond to everything you can certainly manage that in a, in a very different way. Um, I, I just go back to um, Cyril. Um, look, I was just a little bit surprised by his remark. I do think um, that there is sort of words used at times that you'd wonder, um, is it hurling we're talking about here, particularly by coaches and that, you know, I just wonder some of the times is there a little bit of ego going on, on here Does people maybe need to s- sort of feel important. But there's, I, I can't understand this. Everybody that I know in hurling understands that aggression and competitiveness comes first. It's the foundation of all hurling. And anybody that's saying, uh, playing creative hurling, that you don't have that, I can't understand that they don't see that. If you don't have that first, you cannot create anything on top of it. I think what we're starting to want to look at is hold the competitiveness. We always had that. It's a warrior game. It's an aggressive game. But on top of that, let's have some creativity. And anybody who saw Limerick last year, Wexford this year, or Clare in 2013, if you cannot see that they are playing a little bit differently than the norm or a little bit differently than the tradition over the last 30 years, well, I'm not so sure you should be assessing games. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And like, if you look all, at all the teams, you might even say Kilkenny and Tip would yes. be closest in style, but you'd say mm. Limerick and Cork play a very short game. You know, yourselves would play a different... Almost like sometimes you might see similar to maybe Dublin dropping back to seventh defender and trying mm. under under their new manager this year, Kenny, mm. uh, Matty Kenny. There, there's so many different styles of play. You know, they're, they're, if they, I like that being pointed out. And there's nothing... Yes. Ra- they, but the reason there's different styles of play is because they have different systems. And what's a style of play other than a system? So you can't get away from talking about systems. Everyone's not playing like each other. And we, people want to be explained that. Yeah. Well, I think on that as well, you go like... Over the last couple of years, let's be honest, we go out against Tipperary 15 on 15. Do you know what? They have some phenomenal hurlers out there. And, and the point you made was around aggression and, and getting in people's faces. Like, if Kilkenny don't do that at the weekend, the likes of Bubbles O'Dwyer, Shamie Cannon, and you know, God, they're going to pop points over all day. So that is the first and foremost, 100% agree with it. But you have to try and adapt what you're trying to do so that right you're keeping the opposition thinking at the end of the day and they're trying to you're playing the game on your terms and they have to change something to try and counteract with you so yeah yeah, I agree yeah, with that. Dragging them out of their natural style. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. agree with that. And there's a huge amount of uh, facts on that. I, incidentally, I think there's a couple of things to do with that. Your style should suit your players, not the other way around. You cannot impose a style on a team that cannot play the style that you want. And I fully agree with Dermot. You need to be able to actually adapt that on the field. And that's where your leadership on the field uh, comes in. And there's one other little point I'd make that, you know, the, even um, Dermot Wexford are obviously so close to winning an All-Ireland now but you know we'll, we'll still always regard probably the Corks the Kenny's tips and you know maybe the Galbas as being the teams that you need to beat here and you know, in we spoke this earlier on uh, Willie in terms of mentally you've got to do something to disrupt them because they're after winning 30 I don't know what Leinster have 30, or Kilkenny have 30 or 
seven Leinster championships in, I don't know, 33 or four, or maybe more, oh, 71 Leinster championships. Or Leinster, and, and yeah. I think 37 mm-hmm. All-Irelands or whatever they have. Um, so you've got to break a mould here. And to do that, you need to disrupt. And to do that, you need to do something different. Bring something to the table that causes them problems and continues to cause them problems. So, dear me, you're right. You need to actually change that in midstream as well. And it's interesting that... Um, you know, if you can bring that to the start of the game and the opposition aren't, you know, ready for it and they may not have the type of player to be able to deal with it. Well, look, it's a great advantage for you to have, particularly when you're trying to, you know, climb Everest. Yeah, no, exactly. Come here, I want to ask you, Dermot, how much work goes into pokeouts? Because Christy O'Connor has some good stats on Limerick um, this year. And we know there's pokeout success rate last year was off the charts. I think it was something like 72 percent of their own pokeout. Uh, Nicky Quaid, they won in 2018. Um, um, they didn't do, do so do so well on them this year. So like it's almost like teams had figured them out. Against Clare this year, Limerick lost their first eight puckouts, and they, even though they remained dominant in the game, they won just twenty seven percent of their own puckouts. Now that's seventy two down to twenty seven. Against um, Kilkenny, it was a similar. Um, he w- Quaid was restricted to just one mid range puckout, while fourteen of the long puckouts Quaid took, Kilkenny won nine of them. So they're forcing him to go a lot longer because is it is there's more of a zonal press now that teams are doing that they're they're not going man for man and being letting players drag them out of position and then opening up spaces that they're actually standing in zones and not allowing the you know the the, the fellow the the goalkeeper dictate where that ball's going yeah so the first thing I'd say on that is I mean Limerick are the, the All-Ireland champions right everyone was wanting to knock them off their perch um, Limerick's half forward line is such a key line in Limerick's success and really Nicky Quaid's pokeouts are the launch pad for everything that they do in terms of you know he'd put that ball into space and he's such a good striker the ball he put it into space and where lads can run onto it but in fairness like you know the likes of Cork, the likes of Clare, are no different. Like I remember playing Cork in the league in in 2018, and one thing we focused on during the match was um, Patrick Collins was in the goal that day, and you know Cork will drag you into the centre and they want the ball out on the wings for for yeah. them to run onto. Clare, no different. I, I was marking Dave Reedy last year down in uh, down in Parky Cueve, and I ended up for majority of their puckouts, I ended up in their half back line because he was just pulling me out of the way. And then I was leaving Shane O'Donnell or John Conlon running out into the wing or Tony Kelly running out into the wing and picking up balls. So pokeouts are a launch pad of everything to do. Limerick were at a disadvantage because they were all Ireland champions and everyone was going to zone in on everything that they did um, and kind of scrutinise everything they did to stop them from from getting their launch pad in gear. Um, yeah. You have no choice but to follow Reedy there. You'd like to hold your position because obviously you know it's going to Conlon. It would usually be Conlon coming out but if Reedy will take the short one if you don't follow it. It's not easy to know what to do in that situation. It's a catch-22, right? isn't it? So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of work goes into these different scenarios or, you know. Yeah, well, like every every team has a video analysis team now and you're picking up on the kind of common teams that are coming up all of the time. Um, then you go out into the training pitch, you practice a few bits and pieces. Um, but like I said... Every you talk through it probably, do you? Like, you, you know, you talk through it together. Yeah, you do. Um, it's, it can be difficult at times to kind of, when you're matching up 15 on 15 to get, you know... <laughs> The, the, uh, the opposite 15 to kind of play the way that the opposition are going to be playing um, because they're not used to that you know like Limerick have been trying to perfect that for three or four years Do you know it's not just happening last year it's not just happening this year so um, it, it's difficult at times to try and, try and get the grips with it but you, all you can do is try and manage it as best you can Yeah definitely puckouts have gone um 
you know, the analysis around puckouts needs to be better because yeah. of everything Dear was explaining there, Cheddar. Because, oh, no, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no doubt. I, without Christy O'Connor writing an article about that, I wouldn't necessarily have known that Quaid's puckouts had been figured out as much. And I'd like to know more about how they were figured out. Well, bear in mind, um, Christy O'Connor um, is probably the best statsman I know in, in, in Ireland in terms of understanding the reasoning behind these and why they're, they're you know they're, they're making the impact they are and he's obviously a former goalkeeper as well um, so knows what he's talking about here um, look just think of it for a minute you're going to have somewhere between 30 and 40 restarts you know you can't go in and tackle the goalkeeper when he's poking out the ball um, although some of us tried it in our times <laughs> um, but you know so so look that ball can land down your throat and uh, you know you see, you see Hogan's puck out in Croke Park they were landing down on the 14 metre line dear Madeira some, some of the times um, so even if it's just going to be a competitive contested ball it's right down your throat uh, first of all and dear Madeira I don't expect you to answer this but but I just think that the changes that Tip made in terms of the, in terms of their half back line and midfield which was very strong very competitive you're looking at Dan McCormick Michael Breen Barry Heffernan uh, Parig and Seamus Kennedy were big physical you know c- combative players um, uh, you know who are going to be strong in the air and knocking out high ball to that um, was always going to be difficult and I think maybe in the last 10 or 15 minutes I think we spoke about this last week that there was a lot of puckouts that did go along I don't expect you to answer this dear but but it you know it probably played into Tip's hands a little bit uh, by doing that so you could have the greatest puckout strategy in the world um, and you know you might have maybe four or five options and you know three or four of those are maybe mobility options and maybe two or three are to go along um, and the change in the opposition personnel might you know cause your problems with that and of course a little bit of confidence seeps away then you lose the first three or four that you're wanting to ping the space or ping the hand with, with movement or counter movement of other players and that um, and you lose a little bit of belief in it and it's surprising it is that's why it's so important you know you have 30 or 40 of those if they work for you and you can retain possession particularly in the scoring area and get yourself into a shot creation area you know it just you know makes sense that, that that's going to be a great um, you know it's going to help you greatly in terms of driving for the game Yeah well you've asked a hard question for me there Cheddar so it was 14 of, of your last 15 puckouts you went along with and you won you lost 10 of those um, do you know so because the, 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 all the talk around Leicester finals that you had a man down beside Fanning there and he was giving him a few pointers or whatever and he moved Derek McGrath had that didn't he on the Sunday game and then he moved from one end to the other so I don't know did he get distracted and go to the toilet or something <laughs> <laughs> maybe he had he had to go to the toilet on the hill and just missed out I don't know like just the 14 of the 15 last puckouts all going long was that just maybe because it was a frenzied game do you know so maybe mm. I don't know Dermot maybe you know better yeah I, all I could say on that is really when like it's it's a pressure cooker in there the communication on the field is non-existent unless you're sitting from or unless you're standing from myself and Cheddar away you won't hear each other it's just you know the way it is down there um, messages are lost Mark I, I didn't even know that's that coming in here to be honest uh, Mark played the game in front of him um, hindsight is obviously a great thing and you know I, like to be no one more disappointed with that statistic than uh, than Mark himself he's the he's he will scrutinise himself uh, no end so but at the end of the day like 10 out of 14 is not good enough from yeah. our point of view out but of field either to be, to be fair you went long and surprised Kilkenny by going long and that worked and that was a compliment do you know mm, what I mean yes. so like then when the pressure came on against Tipperary now we're looking in hindsight when Conor McDonald's such a target and you're like right well, he, we haven't won that one but 
this is our go-to against Kilkenny. It's yeah. very easy to be critical after a game. You know what I mean? I wouldn't necessarily be critical, but it is a standout stat, you know, that you lost 10 of the 14. It is, of course. And I mentioned at the start as well, when you look back on the game and just all of us were flooding towards the ball. Yeah. It, it, it was just a natural thing that if you want to have an impact on your game, right, just go after the ball. And we all just got drawn to it. And um, like when you're, when you're a couple of points up and the opposition are down to 14, you nearly want to say, right, I want, I want to take control of this myself here. Uh, you forget about maybe you're being a bit clever around the pitch and, and you lose focus on that and perhaps that's what happened but like you said yourself hindsight is great Yeah, that, that's a really good point Dermot um, and I think it's that just level of experience um, that, that you know would stand to you and something like that um, and I think there's, there's one other little point to make uh, Dermot it's interesting with Wexford that it's you know probably a three year building programme for you to get to where you are um, and you know obviously you know you've worked really really hard even purely just looking at your you know the, the strength and conditioning and the quickness and that of the team is on a completely different level than maybe was over over a number of years it just it's just an interesting um, I suppose statistic that it just takes it that while to get everything right to play to the level that you're playing at and I just think that you're so close at the moment yeah no they definitely are come here just one quick one before we move off uh, the Wexford stuff is you kind of had half chances at goals in the first half I'm not sure if you kind of had a half chance one like in your head now do you think maybe I should have just gone for the juggler there again this is hindsight stuff again at the time you'd be thinking look they need to you know, get a few early scores and get the confidence up yeah well with, with my one I think it was definitely a goal scoring opportunity uh, I, I just followed in a ball that went in high uh, took a chance on it missed the pick up that I'd make 9 times out of 10 and I was swarmed before I knew it uh, Tipperary backs got back and and then it was a case that the opportunity was gone. So uh, I actually p- played it across to Rory, and you know he did. He had a massive amount of work to even get it over the bar, and he yeah. did really, really well. Um, Sean had another chance. He he avoided a defender going in. You know, shot was blocked. Um, Rory had another chance. You know, went for the roof of the net, tapped over the bar. Great save by Brian, Brian Hogan. At that level, you know, all Ireland semi final stage. You know, they have to be going in, unfortunately, and maybe that's a bit of experience a lack of experience on our behalf um, not to be getting those scores when, when we could have needed them and uh, live and you learn you just have to take it forward and, and, and try and improve on that next year Yeah Okay great stuff we'll come back um, in the next part with an interview with Patrick Horgan I, I remember my mother the lad of Merson as she's dead eight years this year. She never saw me hauling live, but she always went to the matches, to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one, and the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, keep the head up. I said, grand. No problem, man. Thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. She says, ah, look, what's meant to be? I said, man, will you give it a fucking ride? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so welcome back. Um, we're here in the PwC offices and I'm talking to Patrick Horgan who's won his second Player of the Month. To add to how many others, Patrick? How many have you got in total or do you keep count? I'm not sure, I'm not sure. <laughs> It's probably nice though, like, I mean, it's no consolation for being out of the championship or whatever, but like, how do you, where do you rate personal awards? 
Um, it's obviously a nice thing to get. A nice day coming up and, you know, trophy and all that. But, um, yeah, it's like, um, when you look back on it, probably it's the it's the position that the Kilkenny and Tip boys are in now. Like that, uh, you wouldn't trade for anything, you know? So, yeah. um, they're probably in a better situation, but this is a nice thing as well. And, uh, obviously, something like, look back on at the end of the year and say, Jesus, yeah, it was nice to win that. But, um, when I always prefer, like, uh, you know, getting getting results with a uh, with the team and all that. Everyone's kind of happier then, rather than just one fell off up getting drunk. Yeah. Like everyone being happier down training on a Tuesday night is, is probably the best uh, feeling you could have. Like you know. Yeah, the trade the Tuesday after winning mm. winning the big game. So have you got a chance to look back on the Kilkenny game or where it all went wrong? Even it didn't go wrong for you, obviously. <laughs> you scored three ten, but in general, I suppose. I think it was um, like fifteen minutes there after the set after the half time. Um, I still don't know what happened, like, but they just we couldn't get the ball past him halfway. Um, we played all the hurling in the first half. Yeah. Um, to go in two points up at half time probably wasn't fair on us. Like we should have been more up. We should be two goal chances we never uh, converted in the first half. Um, we, I just think we should have been we should have been more up. And uh, at 15 minutes, then still don't know what happened, like, but. Um, they just they won the game in 15 minutes basically, so that'll tell you how bad we were after going from running the game to being out of it in that, that space of time. Yeah, it's hard even to understand what happened there, is mm, it? It's it's disaster. Like it's <coughs> people say they like obviously their mad intensity in that middle third. You couldn't respond back to that. Is that like you know is that how you look yeah, at it? But even even like when we went even when we went short and went longer to avoid that middle third, it still wasn't was working for that 15 minutes. Whatever happened. Just must have been one of them things, like, and I think Bill got injured as well in that time, and um, there was just we just seemed to couldn't get the ball on, in our hand around around the middle, like, and we just couldn't get the ball up. Uh, as soon as we sorted it, then probably it was probably too late. Got, we slightly got back into it, missed two bad chances then for points to bring it back to one or two, I think. And uh, yeah, after that, then it was just we're done. Yeah, does like the scoring three ten in a game that you lose? Your best performances or biggest scoring tallies seem to come in games you lose. I don't know how that happens um, with you, but like I mean, does it make it in a, in a little way? At least you're not blaming yourself for that loss. Whereas if you play bad and your team loses, you have that horrible feeling of I didn't, you know, play my part. Yeah, in any way though, it's uh, it's disappointing when when you don't win. Like whatever's after happening on the field, like I think everyone's as disappointed as each other. Um, and we're not a group for uh, <coughs> for passing the blame on any players or anything like that. So we never we never have been like that, and I don't think we'll ever get into it. But um, like we just we try our best for each other and all that. But and it, it's something we're going to have to improve on, obviously going forward. Because you know that 15 minutes something happened, and we did, we need to find out what it was and make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, talk to me about the, the catch over Hugh Lawler's uh, shoulders. Like he picked his pocket, and before he <laughs> before he knew where it was gone, you were gone the other way. Like I mean, I it know. almost looked impossible <clears throat> to catch a ball like that. I know it was it was, it was the weird one because um, you cut down on it, didn't you? Yeah, because I lost sight of it for a second. It just hit the hand in, so I was a small bit lucky to be honest with you there, but. Um, it was straight after it was the it was the issue like when uh, that goal had gone in another ball that came in similar to it and no one went up with me and I dropped it. So uh, you're thinking of that rather than the the yeah, heel catch. And, and that was that was probably a goal more than the the one previous. But um, right. 
it's only small things, but um, yeah, I was just lucky to catch it. Was, like it was, well, I wasn't lucky because I, I could see it all the way, but it just dropped down in front, so it was hard to get the head down. Down on top of it, yeah, yeah. 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 Just the technique of that is definitely yeah, difficult. A, I wouldn't even try it again, to be honest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but even then, having the, the calmness to go, oh, Jesus, I've just caught an impossible ball, to go in past a couple of lads and just kind of, the goal reminded me a bit of Austin Gleeson, how he finished his big solo run that year too, you know, yeah, just was, kind of tapping it in. Yeah, and I didn't think at the time. I, did, I thought there was fellas all over me, but uh, further I got the goal, kind of further I got away, kind of. And uh, yeah, I was just, the keeper went the right way and all, I was lucky with that too. Yeah. So. Were you surprised John Myler stepped down or did you think that was on the cards? Uh, surprised he went so quick after the season was over. Like I knew that his term was up, I just didn't know how, they, how it was going to play out. Um, and like, I, a lot of it probably maybe got to do with time and all that, but it's a 24-7 it's a job. Like, you know, there's no off-season for yeah. a manager really, do you know what I mean? It's a serious thing and um, yeah, it's just it was probably unexpected. but. Um, there was some grumblings about uh, not everything being okay in the Cork camp this year. Like, I mean, Ellis was on, in on the terrace watching the tip game, and then he's back centre back the next game. And I don't know if that's maybe just a rumour or what the story was there. Yeah, I like you know, I was here them things. But like when you're in when you're in training and then chatting to all these fellas, everyone seems like delighted. Like everyone's happy out. And uh, right. I think Ellis was Ellis away, or he went away, or something, or something like that. But um, yeah, like we, you know, what else to give you? Like he's, he's a great bit of stuff. Like he'll, the ground he covers in the game is frightening. Like and uh, yeah, it was, it was like we have like I've even said to him like, geez, some turnaround didn't it? Like not to be at the tip game and then <laughs> into centre the back. The main attraction the week after against yeah. Limerick. Like so, uh, yeah, it's, it was weird how it happened. But as regards fellas being happy, I think every fellow <coughs> in Russ is happy. And we all get on well. Like um, yeah, there's no like group off to the corner or fell out in his own like it's to be fair it's like it's it's tight knit to be fair yeah right and it, like I mean it was a weird one the intensity was so high against against Limerick that time it's like you were responding to the criticism and then mm. the Kilkenny game you maybe didn't have something mentally to respond to and it, you didn't seem to have that same bite that day or yeah, maybe well, it's, it's, it's weird because um, I just think like not that Limerick suit our game because if playing playing Limerick is never easy like and uh, they're probably probably the best team that just got caught in the country like uh, but I think their style and our style kind of similar each other yeah. and kind of have uh, we've great games against them to be fair and um, like we like anytime we play Limerick it's uh, like we're we're the underdogs but at the same time we're looking back on previous games that we play against them we're going hang on like we have a good record against yeah, them so. yeah but like you're the masters at the short ball and they like the short ball so yeah. it's almost like they play at the game you're better at yeah, you know, well, yeah in some way something like that yeah know? are you a little bit concerned i'm not going to ask you who you want manager to be i hear jimmy barry murphy's name being thrown around the rock there's a whole lot of different names but are you like the important thing with john myler was that he didn't change much like your style which suits you so much and mm. i'm sure playing where you play that style is just unbelievably good that you're guaranteed good mm. quality diagonal ball it's almost like football balls going to yeah. the forward line yeah um, like whatever whoever comes in or or whatever happens um, like we'll all it'll, it'll obviously be a discussion on how we how we like to play every team has it like you know what I mean yeah and um, yeah we'll be like no order and we'll, we'll discuss what's the best way forward for us and how can we get better from what we did this year I think there's not much wrong with how we play 
it's just getting better at it. Yeah, no, exactly. And there's a lot of under 20. I suppose the thing with Liam Sheedy went back in with Tip and they'd good under 20s and he didn't bring them all in, mm -hmm. that you weren't far <coughs> away. And it's nearly the exact same situation Cork are in now. Yeah, um, there's no, you don't need to rip up any script there. You no, know? no, it's like uh, whoever will come in will come in, like whoever, whatever young fellas are, uh, are good enough will come in. Like, but it's still, like you come in, you still they'll have a pop off the under 20 we had the best under 21 team in the country last year to be fair yeah um like and we have we have the best of them i know and the best of this 20 team will, will be in as well obviously and like it's it's a fair step up as well like from that to, to this and even though like under 20 they're still big boys like but there's still a there's still a way to go like as in progression you know yeah and, Ranks, so. in, in a way, like, like the Cork footballers, do you really need to win that All-Ireland? I know Cork like, have such a great history, they don't mm. necessarily need them, but at this point in time, would an under-21 hurling All-Ireland give you that bit it, of a boost? Uh, wouldn't give a, it wouldn't give me a boost then, it wouldn't give any the senior players a boost, right. but I think in general, like the, around Cork, it would create something that, you know, it's a trophy, it's, it's, it'd be better than the last, like, it'd be better than losing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it would just give, I don't know, a small bit of excitement might start rumbling, like, if we'd won it last year, which we should have, to be fair. And we could manage to win the 20 this year, I think. Yeah, it'd be a good start, like, you yeah. know. I see Kieran Donaghy's in with Galway um, doing a little bit of coaching, and apparently he's doing a lot of coaching about the movement up front, because I suppose traditionally in hurling you didn't need to move that much because the ball would be lumped down on top mm. of you and you'd be working off breaks. But the way Cork play, you, must, you and Cadigan must work a lot on, on your movement, you know, because you know that it's coming diagonally yeah. one side and it's getting out of a space and making yeah. room and stuff. We, yeah, it's something me and Alan always speak about like, um, together because we're more or less the ones that are going to be in there. Whoever's going to be in that position, we all try to have a, a chat and see what works best for each other. And uh, if we can see something... Uh, that we're not doing already that'll make that'll benefit us we'll we'll chance it and uh yeah it's like the like movement is is one thing but moving too early you, you must not move at all like yeah you're gone out of that area you know, then so but cadigan's move. movement is brilliant in fairness yeah, like i mean it's, it's let him off ahead of you there i'm sure the, it's the timing it's the timing of it is the is the main thing it's not the amount of movement it's the timing of it is the the main thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, are you still a maniac for practicing? I'm reading that um, Jimmy yeah. Barry Murphy had to put a spy in the Glen because you're always out uh, practicing freeze and stuff. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to be known for that. Like, but, uh, it's. It's. I'm saying when I go there, it's just something I enjoy doing. Like, it's. Uh, it's going playing hurling. Like, uh, I'm nearly. I'm going to be 32 next time I play Championship hurling for Cork. If if I do, uh, and. I just, I don't know, I just feel like I've, I feel younger than I ever did, like I feel younger, I feel... Well you're in the form yeah, of your life, Yeah, I feel, I feel fresh, fit, no injuries, no nothing and like, I just feel like any minute of the day I can practice, I will like. Yeah, yeah. and when you practice, is it always freeze or are you practicing ah, it's, uh, points from play or who's poking it back out to you, some young lad from the Glen? Yeah, there's... <laughs> Have you got a <laughs> team? If you wouldn't be going to go, yeah, they'd be banging it up, but um, nah, I actually don't practice freeze much, only like when I go proper training session, like when I'm warm, I'll get into that. Uh, nah, it's just like, I do a lot of uh, like visualisation and visualising the positions I'll be in, so... I don't know, does that work or whatever, but I take a box by doing it anyway. So you, you like to make that run out under the stand and then go put it over your shoulder left left handed yeah, just back over the bar. Is that a, that a trademark? Uh, just visualise doing that. Is the do thing. you? Yeah, yeah I visualise doing that a lot. Um, and it's running around the 45 usually you're shooting from there, isn't it? Yeah. 
diagonal run out and yeah. But um, and over the shoulder. Yeah, practicing in general to strike a ball on the run. It's that over the shoulder one. I'm sure you have to practice because I don't know how you generate the power because there's not much back lift. You know, it's mm. obviously all in the wrist there. Yeah, it's. <coughs> I just keep doing it until it's be, it's a normal strike. Like right. I try to practice it so much that. If I'm on the front foot, it doesn't feel as comfortable as I do on the back, back foot. Yeah, because you can't be blocked on the back foot, right? Well, well, it's difficult. <laughs> it's right? hard, yeah, <laughs> there is fellas can do it though. To be yeah. fair, so. I was in. Uh, I always say this on the show. I was at the the Munster final with yourselves in Cork, and I couldn't believe the amount of uh, a boy, hoggy boy. That's all I could hear in the stand. Like <laughs> Harnady could make a catch, or Cadigan, or whoever different lads, <laughs> and it's just well done. But when yeah, you get yeah. the ball, the crowd is rising, and it's a boy, ho- a boy, hoggy boy. Are you aware that you're I a bit of a I actually not, to be fair. Uh, it's, the, it's the first I've heard of it. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe it was just the section I was in. Maybe it was. I don't uh, know. I, I hear a lot of songs with Heron to be. Really? They have a few songs and all for the champ, the boys behind the goal. <laughs> we get a good laugh off them, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you obviously a fanatical at practicing, but you play a bit of golf as well to get away. I was reading that you don't watch too much hurling, is nah, that true? I don't, no. Nah. I was actually playing golf last week in Dingle in the semi finals, around. My first game of golf, and I was right. about a year. And you'd have no interest. Well, you'd have no interest because you, you you think in your head you should have been there. Is that nah? Is that, no, it's not even that. I just don't. I have no interest in it because, like, I would have usually had and like my own time to practice or like with our team or myself. I just and then you're watching other teams judging them, good or bad, and then you know, you've come up against these fellas like and they're never as you see on the telly like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it, you just avoid watching... Yeah, I don't watch it much, to be fair. Right, okay, what do you play off in the golf? Me, I'm useless. Are you? Oh, gammy. That's yeah. unusual now. A bit be- I'm better than the hand, although, but two of us be poor and I'd be, I'd probably be off. I just go off 18, like. Go off 18, right. Usually hurlers are like wizards at golf. It's so all can, yeah, loose shoulders and... okay with it, but 18, I've no official handicap or anything like that. Oh, okay. No. It's more just for it's fun. Squash. I play a bit of squash in the off season. Right. Yeah. That's great for fitness, actually. Squash. Oh, stop. When yeah. you're getting to run around from a like fellow seven years of age, you know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, come here. Congratulations thanks on the you. award, thanks and uh, thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks for that, bye. A lot of people do say, "What do you love about hunting?" Uh, is it is it the fresh air? Is it the great outdoors? Is it the trail? No. I just love killing things. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, another news, lads. We'll do another couple of talking points before we finish up um, because um, John Myler has stepped down in Cork. I love his style, um, by the way. No statements, no... Uh, I'd like to thank everybody and thanks to, you know, my family and all the players and the county board and all these generic ones. I think there's a template out there that people just fill out. He just left and he's done and it's kind of pure John Myler that's kind of old school and that's it one a, a Munster uh, Jesus you'd have to say against Limerick the true to it it was an All-Ireland there so they'll have a lot of re- regrets the first year second year hasn't gone as well still got out of Munster but at the same time they lost to Kilkenny maybe there was n- n- you know it's hard to have seen him uh, did he make the right call Cheddar I suppose is the right is the right question and look only John can make can, can say that really um 
he was he was unfortunate. I mean, obviously, if they had got over Limerick, you know, could they have won an All Ireland? Then we coming into twenty nineteen as All Ireland champions, absolutely they could have had, um, and probably were in the driving seat for that. And was you know it was very unfortunate in that game. Got a lot of injuries to key to key people. And in fairness to him, did try to remedy that in twenty nineteen. Right throughout the league, tried to find uh, new players, and has found a lot of new players um, for Cork, um, and. You know, you just read a lot about what's going on in Cork at the minute and people are saying, oh, we need to change the way we play and all of that. From what I see Cork playing, they're playing the very same way I've seen them playing back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. They haven't changed a huge amount. It's very much moved the ball through the hands. It's all on speed and skill and that, which I actually love. I love the way they play the, play the game. Probably need to tighten up a little bit on defence and, you know, maybe look at a screen on the defence that they're just maybe conceding scores a little bit. But when you go front foot out of the defence, um, you know, those things can happen. I think John's been unfortunate. I fully agree with you. He's a pure class man. I know John well. Um, he has served hurling well, not necessarily Cork well, um, Woolley, in the sense that uh, Dearman, he was with yourselves in Wexford, he was in Carlow, he was in Kerry, he was with lots of clubs. And I don't deem John, you know, one of these journeyman managers uh, there's a number of those out there. He's certainly not one of those. He's an absolute class act. And um, I suppose he's going, um, I'm not surprised by what you said about him because that's what I know about him. Um, so I, I think um, he, you know, Cork probably need something different. Um, and, you know, do they need somebody different over, the, over them? Um, I, look, certainly they need to look at how to defend. And and um, I, I think all of the other areas, you know, in terms of the ball that goes in, I mean, look, they were so close again this year. Uh, Kilkenny, just being Kilkenny, um, you know, play right in the face is probably the thing that Cork didn't want that day. If Cork had met somebody else, you know, they could be moving on to an All-Ireland. They're that close. Um, so I, I think... Uh, John has done a really, really good job there. Now, bear in mind that he kept improvement in the Cork team, even though they were quite close. Went on and won another Munster title with him against Clare, when a lot of people were saying Clare were the coming team. Um, and in the, you know, in Turles that day, he completely turned over Clare that day. Um, so I, I think, you know, Cork hurling, um, I think John deserves the gratitude of Cork people for, you know, keeping the team on an even keel and keep them going along. Um, and, you know, I think it probably does maybe need, you know, something different, somebody new. Um, but I think there's, they should definitely be thankful to him for what he's done for the team. Yeah, I can only imagine how difficult it is to play against Cork. Like they play that short game so bloody well. Imagine you're chasing shadows, um, Dermot. And then by the time it gets to somebody free, it's going in diagonally. And it's like I, I always say, and I said it to Patrick, they almost play hurling like Gaelic football. Do you know mm. what I mean? They give those lovely diagonal short balls that are right in front of the forward. You know, there's there's very rarely clearances with Cork. Very dif- difficult team to play against. You can't underestimate the role of um, Fraggy Murphy down there as well. Um, real good hurling man, exceptionally good hurling brain. Um, I know from I know Anna Martin and Owen Quigley that uh, played at Wexford. They were down with Sarsfields and Cork and rated them really, really highly. So, right. um, they, yeah, like th- their ability to spray balls across the field is is unbelievable. Really, like they they did it against Kilkenny exceptionally well. It was no surprise that Pat Horgan came out. It was a three ten on the day. Three ten and Cadigan cleaned up too as well. Yeah. So, but you could even see in the game that they were playing diagonal balls into the two lads and getting a lot of success off that. Yeah. yeah. They, they, suppose they lost the middle third for about. Did Patrick Horgan saying yesterday? Like, I mean, I was talking to him there. They lost that middle third area for about 15 minutes 
and they lost the game in 50 minutes he was saying that you know they were the better they were the better team in the first half which they were only went in two ahead and then get destroyed in that 50 minutes and then couldn't get back and then like they, he was saying for 45-50 minutes of that game they were the better team <laughs> Like I, I would agree with that I was actually at the game uh, first 15 minutes second half uh, Kenny really raised the game um, and went at him and probably Cork just didn't respond to them at that stage and, and you know I think Kenny reeled off a number of pints and sort of got a toe hole particularly on midfield and, ha- and, and maybe half uh, um, forward as well and Cork didn't respond to him interestingly Woolley um, I, I just saw where Cork County Board have a sort of a, a priority or a prerequisite that it's a coach they're looking for rather than a manager um, for you know for the future and I'm really surprised about that because they're certainly two they're very different people and yeah. very different type of people and, mm-hmm. and would have very different competencies um, and I'm surprised about that because you know I, I would think that you get the uh, manager with the proper competencies to be a manager first um, and then he selects his coaches and, and so on and you know all the other people involved strength and conditioning nutritionist uh, psychology all the other bits and pieces that you might want um, so you may very well get a great coach who might make a good manager at all they're very very different jobs um, so I was actually surprised about that I would have thought that they would have had look I'd be very surprised if there was a, um, a manpower service or a resource service or something like that that didn't go in and ask county board, Cork County Board well what are you looking for here and what do you want to try and do and you know I'd be surprised if they come along and they said oh we want a coach for the, to coach Cork when there's a whole pile of coaches that would work to a manager so I'm, yeah. I'm just surprised by that that's Sometimes all. You, you wonder whether some people just call a manager a coach do you know because I, I take your point Cheddar they're completely different things unless you get lucky with Davy, who can do a bit of both Jim McGuinness who could do both you know these are uh, unique managers but mostly a manager will manage and will get in a, a good coach but then people like managers in England in soccer are called coaches sometimes too and they're only managers you know yeah no I agree but I think they specified this this time right. so why so um, and look of course you're going to have to know about coaching but you're going to have to know a little bit about a whole pile of things and you know you're really managing job, yeah you're mm-hmm. managing and like you're looking at the strategy of the team you're you're going to decide tactics of the team um and the way the style of play and that but after that you're on you're you know you're looking at the annual training program and you're looking you're managing a whole range of things here not necessarily coaching and you're going to pick coaches that you know suit your philosophy of play and uh, you know they're going to implement what you think the failings in the team are or what, what you need to build on and all of those things and I'd probably say that that's a very different uh, job spec than it is just for simply looking for a coach. Now, look, it, it could be just, as you say, a, a form of words, but I'm just surprised that they specified it for this year and not other years. Yeah, no, exactly. I saw a tweet from it's Mortimer Murphy. He's a journalist down in Munster and he says, right, my sources tell me that the man Cork want as their next hurling manager is Jimmy Barry Murphy. So unless they're doing a Liam Sheedy on it and saying bring back a, a you know a, a big name again, I think Cork are in a similar position to Tipperary last year in that the temptation is there to rip up the script and play young fellas. Liam Sheedy didn't do that. He's holding them and bringing them off the bench and trusting what was there. And I think Cork are so close; it doesn't need any script. I was saying that to Patrick Horgan. You don't need to rip it up. It, it's this close this just needs a sprinkle or two you know perhaps so yeah I mean Cork have been doing quite well at minor level and under 20 level over the last couple of years yeah, like you've seen kind of the impact that the younger lads of you know Fitzgibbon or Luke Mead or Coleman or Mark Coleman of course yeah um, the impact that they've had on the team when they've come in um, it's no harm that you know more younger lads coming in maybe it might give them another kick in the right direction and 
could bring him on even more again. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that's interesting, actually, uh, Dermot, because um, I actually saw the under-21 in Port Alicia on Saturday night with themselves in Kilkenny. Um, and they, they obviously won and in All-Ireland now against Tipperary, which is sort of important to them. I think it is too, yeah. It, it, it is, but what's actually more important, Dermot, is do they have players within that team that have the ability to step up um, in, and play senior at that level and, uh, you know, just get the thing over the line. Um, there was no that there was? I looked at it. There, Tommy O'Connell played a being forward and I, I, he was the best player on the field. Um, seemed to have an awful lot of ability. Regan was full forward, was strong. Ger Mellerick was centre-back, was strong. Um, as well as that, as having a couple of senior panellists already in the team. So it looked like that they did, yes. Just go back to the other point. I, I know Jimmy Barry a little bit. Um, you know, certainly one of the nicest and one of the most decent people I've ever met in my life, considering the success that he has had. Um, and his mere warmth and his mere aura itself, um, you know, would probably motivate you to play well, particularly if you're a Cork person. Um, but even that, and I couldn't speak highly enough about Jimmy Barry Murphy, both as a player, but particularly as a person, as a person. Uh, but even that, you know, have you checked that that's the issue with the team here? Because if you haven't, you may be getting the wrong person. And I'm saying, you know, I'm obviously making a fair statement in saying it about this particular person because he's simply an iconic person uh, outside of hurling, hurling at all. Um, so uh, that brings me back to the point earlier on, you know, have Cork County Board or the executive of Cork looked at this and decided, here's what we need to improve this team, the extra 10% to get us to win in All-Ireland. And one of those things could be just that. How do we integrate Gerard Miller how do we integrate uh, uh, Tommy O'Connell into the current team into the way they play where do they fit in have the skill sets to play the way we want to play or what do we need to do to change that and if you don't ask yourself those questions well look you may very well end up getting the wrong person to do these things one other interesting statistic on that before we go off at Woolly Tip won in All-Ireland under 21 last year um, and you know probably caused a bit of a shock in beating Cork but actually none of their team is on the current team correct me if I'm wrong I don't think any of the Tip under 21s are on it. Now there's some fair player, Ger Brown, um, Morris. A, Mar- Morris. There's actually another player there, dear me, that I'm really interested in seeing. I saw him in the Fitzgibbon Cup final. Was Mark Kyo, mm. fantastic player, big man, but actually very skillful man. Great control of the ball off the ground, and that would be a serious, serious problem. He's just sort of, you know, coming in for some games of tip of the minute. Um, but it's tr- it's interesting to think that there's a team after going into an All Ireland, and that one of those players didn't break into the team. No, it definitely is. There's no doubt. Cork hammered them in Munster, didn't they? And then Tip beat them in the final with a bit of a surprise and then shocked them this year in the Munster final as well. Um, So that's it, yeah. It's just what Cork need. Maybe two or three players, Dermot, in your opinion. I know it's not easy for you to make these statements being a current player. (laughs) I hope to get no players. I hope these lads are all useless, young (laughs) fellas. Ah, no, no. That's the quote of the year there now, Tony Dermot. They'll use that as motivation. <laughs> and the dressing room wall sort of um, no but look yeah it, there's uh, no doubt there's a couple of fantastic young lads coming in there um, you mentioned the Tipperary team and, and the Cork on the Cork side as well so yeah they're like like when we when we bring in subs to the into the game, all we're looking for them to do is make an impact, um, drive the thing on a bit further. And Cork or Tipperary are no different either. They want those young lads driving the whole the whole culture and the whole uh, setup on again. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I, I just make one comment on that, and dear it, 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 you're right. Um, you certainly can comment on this. Um, I just think that Cork needs some good defenders. I think they have a lot of players that are very good at carrying the ball at the defensive pace and, you know, working up the attack and that. Uh, but they probably need some defenders who are maybe even good man-markers. And I'm surprised with Stephen McDonald coming back this year that he is a very good man-marker and that. 
Um, but I just think that they need that. They need players because if you were if you were caught out, um, you know, two in the full back line, you know, American two in the full forward line, and let's say that's Seamus Flanagan and John McGrath, you know, you need to be able to manage the one and one very well and be able to close down the space and all of that as well. And I just think that they probably need that more than anything else at the minute. They probably have a lot of forwards and a lot of players that can play different ways of playing for them. And I think the other thing that just need to look at, they've used probably the same method of play. I don't like the word system. They've used the same style of play probably for the last couple of years with uh, um, you know, 15 falling out of 12 and 12 sort of playing across the midfield and that and creating the extra man around the middle of the field. Um, and they probably just need to change that because probably teams have it well read as Dermot was saying a while ago. Or, you know, there's so much analysis done on teams now. Pe- people know how to, how to you know, counter tactic that at the minute. So they probably need to come with something different. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Colin Spillane, of course, was out this year and he's a properly good, yes, uh, yes, he's I a properly agree. good man. Porrick Fanning stepped down as well, just the other managerial uh, casualty. He did release a statement and it was kind of a, a, an interesting um, comment at the end of the statement. He said, the process of appointing my replacement now must begin. And I do hope the board can find a, f- a suitable successor who can implement the changes necessary to ensure Waterford are, su- are successful for many years to come. So there you are, can implement the changes necessary to ensure Waterford are successful. Obviously, the changes that he wasn't able to implement. Uh, Cheddar, I'll throw this to you first. Um First of all, I was disappointed to see Parik uh, stepping down. I know Parik, um, and um, you know it, it's very, very, very tough managing at this level. And he was probably unfortunate in timing of that to come in, um, where you know Waterford public, Waterford supporters, and everybody else sort of wanted um, a different way of playing for the team. Um, and that's very, very difficult. And, you know, I explained this last week about what is difficult about that. And you just take Tyke De Burke, he was, uh, you know, maybe playing at six, um, generally speaking, would have had another body around him. Now he can, he's free to attack the ball. He can play in a very different way. Um, same at full back. You can, pl- your, your backs play in a very different way. And your, 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 you know, your distribution of the ball is very, very different in that, in that way of playing, as we've explained earlier on here and here. Um, so you try and change that. And, you know, you need to bring people with you. Um, that is difficult to do. Um, and, you know, it's no different. I, I don't like drawing parallels with business the whole time. Um, but this is no different than a company rebranding itself. And a lot of the time you will see there's, you know, there's a whole pile of literature written on this about the company rebrands itself. But, you know, something they forget to actually tell their own staff what they're going to do and uh, communicate with their staff and bring them as part um, of the solution. Actually, there's a business saying that, you know, the people who can who have the solution is the people that are closest to the problem. Um, so it's very difficult to do. And, you know, Parley obviously inherited that. Incidentally, um, on the plus side, Parley introduced a lot of young players into Watford this year, including the likes of Callum Lyons, uh, Connor Prunty and that, that the next manager is going to thank him for. Um, so I think Watford GA need to be very clear. What do we want? We're going back to what we spoke about with Cork. What do we want our team to be here? Do we want to play in a completely different way than what has been there for the last couple of years? And if it is, that's going to take a couple of years. We spoke, dear man, we just spoke about a minute ago. I mean, it's taken you a couple of years to really get into the flow of playing. And this is probably by far and away your best years. You know, this won't happen overnight. You might say an annual training programme will do it for you. It won't. And you've got to maybe wait for a year to get all the right pieces to fit into the jigsaw and that before before things will really go well for you. So back just to finish off on that, um, look, I think Parik has probably 
you know, done a lot of groundwork for the next manager to go into Waterford. Um, but people need to be really clear what they want. And look, at the end of the day, your county board is executive for your county. They determine to a large extent and the clubs determine what they want your team to be. And if they want to change to, a, you know, a more open way of playing um, or, you know, a 15 or traditional or whatever you want to call it, um, well, that needs to be very, very clear beforehand. And I'd strongly urge whoever goes in there to make that very clear when they go in initially themselves. What what do you want here? Because, you know, you, you cannot be blamed in a year's time if you do something different or, or you know, or, or fail in that. Um, so I, I think it, it, Waterford have huge talent, have are a team that have a capability of winning in All-Ireland, similar to, to Dear Me Beside Me here, are on a par with Wexford, um, and, you know, have the capability of doing that, and are a huge challenge and a huge opportunity, I suppose, for a manager to go in there. But there needs to be real clarity about where they're going to go, and that discussion has to take place with the team. Players need to know exactly what's expected of them, the changes that are necessary, and they need to be part of that solution. Um, other than that, you, you know, it's difficult to, to make those things stick. I think that I think that's it. You, you know uh, Porrick well from the time he was down with Wexford as well under Davy. Um, so I suppose you were looking, at having known him, looking because he, he 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 had a tough year. Let's be honest in the championship. You almost feel sorry for a manager has to come out after hammerings and try to explain them. You know that kind of way, Dermot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Porrick had a great time down in Wexford. I have to give it to him. I thought his his ideas, his knowledge of the game, his uh, his philosophies around, you know, different tactics and stuff. I'd, I would rate him up there. I'd rate him very good. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of what went on down in Waterford. I'm not privy to it uh, this year, but you have to remember, like, memories are short at the end of the day. Like, they, they be, I think, Galway twice in the league this year. They got brought them to a league final. Um, weren't, you know, Limerick at the end of the day were all earned champions. It was a very difficult challenge, but um, they're, they're probably underachieved in their own regard over the last two years and are really looking to kick on. Um, like, if, if you had a say at the end of 2017 after getting to an all earned final, do you know that? You know they'd be out of the championship come May the following year. It's a, they wouldn't have taken it. Like well, so. Well, well, what I think Waterford did is that they they buckled to the pressure of the big bad boogeyman sweeper, and they went away from something that they were actually good at. And I don't think they have six really top level forwards where they have you know they could easily play one and have five you know better forwards. I think they just buckled to the pressure of the Waterford public who are listening to the the national analysis that the sweeper's bad and then suddenly if you don't play a sweeper you're letting shackles off imaginary shackles and now you're hurling like Ken McGrath did back in the you know like I mean and I'm not this is not at Ken McGrath specifically but there's why can't you play a sweeper and play the way he played like I mean which was a fantastic performance against Tipperary I think maybe that has changed perceptions for the next Waterford manager to go in there and go hang on a minute this is not the big bad wolf and maybe it does suit Waterford and they've played their, they've got their best results doing it. Well, you're probably right on that, Cheddar. I mean, you said earlier about you have to believe in what you do. Did they lose sight of what they, were, they fully believed in, maybe? Um, and you made a good point there as well about, you know, everyone has to be in the one direction here. If you have people pulling in different directions, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So. And the difficulty about that, uh, Dermot, is that you're not under the pressure, you're not under the microscope until the championship. 
And, mm. you know, you could play a whole pile of league games there and you're trying out things and all of that. But at the end of the day, things work against you or for you. Um, you know, there's not as much pressure. And suddenly, first round of the Munster Championship and, you know, you, you know, you're pretty comfortable where you are uh, and you go to implement it against a team, you get turned over and then there's huge uh, spotlight on you and so on and so on. Um, I think, you know, your chance to road test in something like that, you need a little bit more time to road test something like that. But I, I just go back to that point, Wooly. Um, what do Waterford want? Um, because you as a manager may very well go in there and say, well, look, lads, I'm not the person. And you need to be, dear Major, you're absolutely right about that. If your philosophy is possession game, uh, work the ball through the hands, um, creation of space up front versus playing it long or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. If your philosophy doesn't agree with that, you shouldn't go in. You should just say, not me. Um, I play a different game here. If that's what you want to do, you may find somebody else. Because it is going to come crashing down around you. There's no doubt about that. This is high level sport. This is Formula One sport. Um, and you know, little things if they go wrong can create real, real issues within te- within a team in a dressing room very quickly. And the world can come crashing down very, very quickly around you. So I, I think you need to be really, really clear. You yourself going in first of all as a manager, you need to understand what's in the county and all the underlying things and the clubs and all of those things. But you definitely need to understand the players and their system of play and and know have you the man management skills and the communication skills to be able to change the behaviours of this team around to play in a different way to suit your philosophy. If you don't do that, you've got to be honest and say no. Look, I that, that's that I I can't do that. Or look, we don't agree here on what we're going to do. And it's really around change. And look. I, I hate going back and using this, but there's enough there's enough literature that would fill Dublin here about change management and all of that type of stuff. And it's really down to man management and managing people. If you don't get them on board and get everybody on board here um, in terms of what you want to try and do, you know, it, the thing is going to break up in you somewhere along the way. The difficulty is that the championship doesn't start till maybe nine months' time, which is the real road test here, and it's difficult to actually do that. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, it's nice to hear you saying good things about Porrick, because let's be honest, his reputation probably would have taken a, a batter in you know this year so for you to say he's a very good coach and I know you yeah. think he's a very good yes. coach mm-hmm. I, this was just maybe I think if following Alex Ferguson the, you know it was a tough yes. act to follow and yeah. the timing was all wrong whereas Porrick someone else took over from Derek and Porrick came in after him you could have a completely different uh, ball game but anyways yeah, I, I just finished off on that point uh, Oli look um, managers are going to have to take this in the chin anymore you know just because you've had a bad year or a bad experience doesn't mean anything about you there are some many variables going on here probably outside of your control and it may very well be county board it may very well it could be anything it could be yeah. monetary it could be fina- it could be anything um, so you know you're going to have to take bad press and just take it on the chin and move on similar to what you said about John Myler and I know Parig that's what he'll do he certainly has done an awful lot for hurling both at WIT and all, and all around the country and he will do so again and I wish him the best of luck Can't all be a great fit like Davy and Wexford they're half mad and I'm half mad so that's uh, we work fairly well together one last word like this is a long hurling show lads um, it's not often we have Dermot up here it's never we have Dermot up here so uh, it's run a little bit over James Owens quickly lads what do we think two All-Irelands in a row he's obviously a Wexford man Dermot so I'll give you first uh, any yeah I think that's his third All-Ireland was he 15 as well maybe or 16 right. um, James not solid appointment in my eyes um, a good character um, albeit it's rare I get anything off him down in the club championship <laughs> down home um, but no he's a good, he's a good, re- good ref um, he does beat in doing a couple of our in-house games there now and again and uh, no doubt he'll 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 fly that um, just noteworthy that uh, t- two of his umpires on the day are Ian Plunkett and Joe Kelly two referees 
from Wexford as well. I know very important. Yeah, I, I spoke on the show before about um, the impact that that the umpires have. So they'll know the rules inside out, and I know that no doubt they'll be. Um, They'll do a fine job on the day. Right, so we might see the odd hand going up from the umpire here. Um, <laughs> to many of them keep it in their pockets well, and well, let well, everything... It's, in, it's interesting, Willie, I actually asked a couple of questions about that. I mean, we asked, we spoke about this in the show previously, uh, Dermot, about do umpires get training? Um, the answer is, first of all, no, they don't. Um, and But they do get... Um, um, I don't know a chat to or a talking to by you know some provincial official um, uh, before a big game and that um, so I, I think going back to the point I think it's interesting that I think they should um, but incidentally there, there should there, be an age limit too there's well, a lot of them in their 70s well, well, no I, I, <laughs> and I wouldn't disagree with that either Willie to be honest with you but what's more important is the relationship between the umpires and the referees um, the they obviously have a, a very good signaling and system between them um, and these may be hand signals or maybe you know different little things that when the referee is on he's running running into the square he has a fair understanding about what's after happening and you know they could be little uh, signals you know that that goes on that they know themselves um, so I'm going to be looking at umpires an awful lot closer from here on in is all I'm telling yeah. you but that's, that's definitely so, a good so, one that it's two so the, referees the do, with, on yeah, his, to on do his work to do work as a team dear man I suppose if what we were talking about here the last day I don't know whether you agree with it or not but I just think uh, you know people are looking for the second referee I would fundamentally disagree with that I think it would be more confusing than anything else but I do think the two sideline men who at inter-county level are top class referees anyway that they should have more power and they should be able to call a free more than they are at the minute I know they're mic'd up I know internally the umpires are mic'd up as well uh, Woolly, even though the priorities with the sideline man I understand but I just think that the sideline people should have more power they're, they're quality referees anyway why wouldn't you just have a team of three referees two sideline people we just call them for that and then the main referee as such Yeah I'm, I'm not privy to the system that they have in place but it, is there? I think there could be some sort of buzzer that's located on their, on their belt yeah. um, yes. that you know notifies the referee when needs attention or something like that I'm not sure and um, the whole idea of two referees, logistically, I don't know if it's if it's the right way forward. I mean, David have a heart attack. Who would he give out to? He'd be giving out to two referees instead of one. <laughs> David needs to give out those on the pitch. Um, but no, you have one referee at one end, and he maybe he's considered. Uh, a little bit, you know, he'll give a few frees yeah. pretty easy, and yeah. then another another ref the other end that's harsh. Do you know, how do you balance it up? Absolutely, I think, I think it is. I think a that's a really, really good. That's a really, really good point that hasn't been brought up before, Dermot. Um, and I think I don't know any. Um, wrong call that happened that the referee was too far away from it and mm. didn't see it. Um, in other words, it was just too distant. I don't ever remember a call like that. Somebody made an interpretation. Everybody in the place disagreed with, but he made an inter- interpretation about what he saw. And if you're 20 metres away from an incident and there's three players in front of you, whether you're 20 metres away or 50 metres away, you're not going to see it anyway. Um, you know, so I, I just I just think the two referees, and I think you, you know, you've you definitely uh, confirmed it, Dermot, that no, I just don't think I think it'd be madness to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I definitely would. Quick one before we go, we'll have you in again, Cheddar. Who's going to win the All Ireland? In one word, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna rule out rule out Kilkenny at your pearl there now. They'll probably do that, but I think Tip. You think Tip will win it? Yeah. You've played both teams, obviously, so you have a right. You have the right man to, mm. to call it. You think Tip will do tip, it? Yeah, but as I said, you rule off Kilkenny. Lads say they're gone. They ain't going anywhere. Let me tell you. So. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to even tr- do not throw it over <laughs> to him now. We could be here for another hour, so <laughs> we'll leave it at that. You're calling Tip, so we we'll uh, we'll see who everyone else is calling for uh, next week in the preview show. Right, that's all we've time for. We'll be back next Thursday. Um, or we might be back next Wednesday we'll do a studio preview before the live show on Thursday in Dublin 
Okay, we'll talk to you then. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling acca. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>